Welcome to the In Your 20s podcast, where we figure out what the f- we're doing in our 20s. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Tina with an H, back with another episode of In Your 20s. And not to be dramatic, hint, hint at my TikTok, but I've been really inspired by the show The Bold Type recently, which is a show on Freeform, but you can stream it on Hulu. I've been binging the entire like all the seasons the entire show for the past like three-ish weeks and it's really interesting because it gives you a perspective not necessarily realistic but a perspective nonetheless on what it's like to be in publishing and editorial and social media in the New York greater area in the greater New York City area And with that in mind, I was thinking of who I could have on the show to really talk about writing an editorial, and I'm so excited to have on today's guest. Today, I am joined by the lovely Jen, who is the editor-in-chief of The Hoboken Girl and The Montclair Girl. And speaking of, if you guys are in the Hoboken, Montclair area, or if you're in the greater New York City area, then be sure to download Foreplay in the App Store. Because if you are single, or even if you're not single, it's a great way to meet other people with your friends. It's considered to be a double dating app, but that's not the case because whether you're single or not, it's still a great way to meet other best friends, friends, roommates, whoever in the greater tri-state area. And if you are not in the New York City area, it's okay. Go on Foreplay's website and tell them that you want them to come to your city, and that way they can open it up for you guys. All the details will be in the link in the show notes, so go check it out. So for today's episode, if you are interested in writing, editing, editorial, publishing, then keep on listening. Even if you're not, what I've come to realize is that with today's society, fake news is being talked about all the time, you know, but we're we're slowly starting to forget the importance of news, the importance of journalists and writers because of the boom in social media, how it's super quick or how people will read a headline and they don't understand why is that headline written the way that it is. But people go to school for these these things. It's the way that we've been taught, but we're, as writers, as journalists, everyone is still adapting. So I think this episode in particular, we talk about Jen's journey, how she got into writing, editorial, how she started The Hoboken Girl, which is a website. And then we go into talking about, you know, the importance of health. And even if you have a chronic illness or an illness of any sort in your 20s, how do you kind of persevere and overcome that and be true to yourself at the end of the day? I am so, so excited for Jen to be on here. She has been an absolute pleasure. Before we get into that, I briefly just want to say that I have been feeling super, super overwhelmed the past two, three weeks. I started a new job. I guess I can finally say it. Yeah, I'll say it. So I'm working with my dream company, which is still a pinch me moment. I've cried a lot of times. Happy tears, of course, about it. The short version of it is that I'm doing social media for reality TV shows on MTV and VH1. I love reality TV. I've always wanted to work at MTV specifically. So the fact that I can work at MTV and VH1 is a dream come true. This is, I really feel the, not the official start, but the step in the right direction for my career. Nevertheless, it's super difficult because of the fact that I hate change. And also with 
the weather getting warmer and people are getting vaccinated. It's not like we're all just staying at home 24-7. You know, we can go to dinners and lunches and X, Y, Z. So I'm really feeling that pressure right now. But I just want to say for anyone that is feeling that way too, where they went from not doing a lot this time last year to now there's so many things happening in their lives, I think it's really important for us to take the time to just self-reflect, self-analyze, see what parts of your life you can step back from and say, hey, I don't really have the time for this and I'm so sorry. Or if anything, honestly, not even if anything, more importantly, just to ask for help because that is the best thing that you could possibly do. This is probably one of the longer intros that I've had in a while. Um, A solo episode is coming soon. I used to do them around once a month. We might still do that. We might not. I know a lot of you guys have been asking about me doing an episode on how to start a podcast. So don't worry. That is coming probably at the end of this month or early June. We'll figure that out. But yeah, otherwise, I'm done with the solo for today. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Tell your friends about the show. Review it. All that great stuff. Now we're just going to get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode of In Your 20s, guys. Today, I am joined by the editor-in-chief of The Hoboken Girl and The Montclair Girl, Jen Tripuka. Jen, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? It's so great to be here. Thank you so much. I'm great. Um, The sun is shining because spring is like up and running and I couldn't be more happier. So happy. Very, very happy. (laughs) To get us started, uh, how old are you and what is one random fun fact you've learned in your 20s? Well, it's very funny you ask because I am not in my 20s. <laughs> I know when you reached out to me, I was like, am I allowed to be on this podcast? I am not in my 20s. <laughs> um, I am 34, just turned 34 in February. And what was, sorry, what was the other question? What's a random fun fact you learned in your 20s? Oh, a random fun fact. Um, I would say that nothing good happens after... 12 midnight, even though oftentimes you're out after after that, for sure. <laughs> you're always out after midnight, but like I totally get that because that's when, quote unquote, shit hits the fan. <laughs> yep. It's just like everything just starts to unravel and it's nothing. It's fun, but it's never, it, it could be good, but yeah, it could could definitely take a turn. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I mentioned, you know, that you're the editor in chief of not one, but two websites. So yes. tell us a little bit about um, the Hope Oaken Girl, because that was the first one, how you got into it and how you got into journalism and writing. Yeah. So I started the Hope Oaken Girl in 2012. Um, I was in my twenties and I, uh, you know, I, I moved to Hoboken. My grandparents had textile factories in Hudson County. And I never really, though, had done much in Hudson County until I moved here after college. Um, And I just really wanted to explore the neighborhood and really get to know the local business owners. And I felt like there wasn't really a platform um, for women by women. And, you know, I really felt like local news, there was a lot to still be desired. So I just started writing and it really wasn't a plan to become a full-time gig until, you know, years later. Uh, I've been doing it now for nine, almost 10 years, which is crazy. But in that time, at the time I was working as a school counselor in a public school in New Jersey, and then I ended up 
uh, with my experience with Hoboken Girl, uh, getting a job at Condé Nast as a digital editor. I had a background in media, but also in psychology. I have a master's in counseling. And I just kind of really realized that I wanted to be in the editorial world. Um, and then fast forward 2017, I took it full time. And now we're, you know, 2021, we just launched the Montclair Girl in February. And it's been a ride. It's really exciting. That's awesome. How did working at Condé Nast as a digital editor not only make you strive to want to take the Hoboken Girl full time, but also what did you learn that helped you when, you know, building out this website? Great question. I learned so much. And I actually think that could be my random fun fact. There's so much you can learn from a corporate job in your 20s. I know everyone wants to go the entrepreneur route. Trust me, I'm the first person to be that person. But you can learn so much at a corporate job. Um, And I think everyone should have at least one. Um, And I think that, you know, it is a really, it was a really interesting thing because when I started at Condé Nast, I didn't have that much professional experience. I had my own experience. Uh, so I really spent the year and a half, two years I was there really soaking up everything that I could from the corporate world and just learning about the systems and all of that type of stuff. So it was a really, uh, it was a really great experience. We worked with major brands. I worked at Brides Magazine, uh, and you know I helped with their social media direction. We did sponsor content. It was a lot of fun stuff that we did. Um, met some wonderful people, and yeah, it was it was a really really cool time. But it made me realize, you know, as much as I loved editorial, that I wanted to do it my way and really take it full time and be able to uh, take what I had learned and transport it into my own business. Wow. So you said that you were there for two, about two years. So let's say like if you did your undergrad and then you were working, so you're still in like your mid twenties when you decided to just become your own entrepreneur. Yeah, I was 29. So yeah, it was a mid late twenties and I had like three careers before that. So, so I was, you know, I, I had finished grad school, then I worked in DC for the Department of Human Services for a year. And yeah, and then uh, came back up, worked as I did Teach for America. Then I, and, and so I got into education that way. And then I ended up, uh, you know, going into uh, school counseling full time. And then through that, decided to, to go on to, uh, editorial, yeah, which which was a ride. But I think all of those experiences in your 20s shape your career path. I don't think any of them I would change because I've learned so much from each job. Yeah, I was about to say, you really were bopping and moving around. <laughs> all over, all over. I really, was, I, I really was passionate about each thing I did too. I think that, you know, I think there's pieces of it you can be passionate about in each job that you have. So while you were doing all these things, Hope, you were doing Hoboken Girl part-time or no? Yes. I started Hoboken Girl when I was a school counselor. So after I had kind of gotten my full-time position at um, in a school in Bloomfield, New Jersey, I had moved to Hoboken and just decided I really wanted to explore and write about the neighborhood. Yeah. So then when did you just, did you ever, like before it was, you know, full-time, how did you start enlisting contributors, writers, people for your team? Yeah, that really grew as Hoboken Girl grew. So, you know, the first year or two, I was doing it all myself. I was writing, I was just covering topics of, 
you know, this place is opening, this is what's going on here. And then, you know, I, it started to catch on people were, people were really creating community around it, uh, especially during Hurricane Sandy, which had just happened. You know, there was a lot, we were sharing resources, all of that. And I always said, we, even though it was just me for like two years. <laughs> it's me with the podcast. I'm like, we, and it's just, I'm here. here. <laughs> Always a we. Now it is a we, which is really cool. So, you know, you fake it till you make it a little bit, but um, you, it definitely was a slow build. Um, I decided that I really didn't know that much about marketing. And so I started to learn my web developer at the time really helped me with like digitizing ads and making sure that we were starting to monetize. And then I realized I needed a marketing salesperson. So uh, I found uh, Kate, who's still with us. She's our events coordinator. Gosh, it's been like, it was 2014, so a while back. But, uh, she, you know, she really, she was a Hoboken resident. She was also a teacher, came on, and um, yeah, we really hit it off. And she helped me so much with creating a lot of our marketing strategy, and I learned so much from her. And um, then, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. It was people wanted to write for us, guest posts, and now we, you know, have paid freelancers and contributors and a, and a full-time team. That's incredible. So for those that first year or two years where Hoboken Girl was starting out, how did people find it? Were they just, um, was it based off of word of mouth when you were going in to write these pieces on local businesses? Was it like, oh yeah, check it out. It's going to be out at this date at this time. Yes. Yeah, so we, it was really when 2012 was when social media, Instagram was just becoming a thing. So I used, we used a ton of Again, we uh, <laughs> a ton of Facebook, Twitter, and then uh, you know Twitter at the time was big, so we were tweeting a lot. We were tweeting updates, especially around that Hurricane Sandy time, and and I think that really brought a lot of people in because they wanted information. Uh, we didn't have a schedule, set schedule, but we'd always I was so consistent about posting every day at like seven a.m. so that you know you're getting up, and it was from the teacher background in me. You know, you're getting up for school or work, and you want to just look up what's going on in your community, what's what's new. Um, yeah, and that, that really started to create a habit for our readers. Uh, and then on the other end of it, going out to businesses, I was able to make relationships with local business owners just by visiting their shops because I did that anyway. So this time it was me being there taking pictures and saying, hey, we're going to write about this. Can you tell me a little bit how you started and just creating those connections? Cool. Yeah, I know. Like, So I moved to Hoboken in August of 2020. So like before we moved over, because I mean, I'm a Rutgers alum. Yeah. In the middle of the <laughs> pandemic, my gosh. <laughs> I know me and my roommate the entire time, because now that, you know, Vax Girl Summer is upon us. <laughs> Vaxed and waxed. And I thought it was so good. <laughs> I love that. Vaxed and waxed. That's perfect. Because now me and my roommate are like, wow, people are coming to Hoboken because where when I graduated, every once you're like a senior at Rutgers, the saying was like, oh, yeah, you moved to Hoboken. It's uh, Rutgers 2.0. Like everyone just comes here. My roommate and I, we were the only ones. So we had like no one. So now everyone's coming um, over to this side. But it's like when we first were trying to do our research on the town, it was like the website, the Hoboken Girl, was Yay. what popped up. And then Love we it. spent a lot of time on the website and then we went to the Facebook group because you're we like, oh, we can learn a lot from here. So did was the Facebook group always a thing when you started your efforts or when did you guys implement that group? 
that Facebook group is so funny because it really has taken on its own life over there, which is great because we love having a community as part of the website. And I think that's what separates us from some news websites is we're sharing updates, but we're also creating a community of our readers. And I love that. So yeah, I mean, that started in, it was like 2016 or 17. It wasn't right away. I I had just been, you know, I'm always up to date on the latest social media stuff, you know, trying to just know what's happening. And Facebook has been around since 2004, but it's really never, you know, nothing has changed with pages and all that stuff really until recently, where now the emphasis is on the groups. Like, oh, the groups are where it's at. Like, if you're on Facebook, you're really only getting updates from your groups, um, is what I notice. So, yeah. So we really just, I decided that it was a really good idea to make that a thing. And, and it's become great. We have over 12,000 members and people people are really great there. We really try to keep it positive and you can share reviews if they're good. If not, just let them be. You know, we don't, we don't like to light up uh, businesses <laughs> that aren't, you know, up to the standards. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to light up businesses that aren't up to, you know, a certain individual standards, but the Facebook group has been so, so great. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, cause you said around the timeline of like 2016, 2017. And I think Facebook, cause when I wake up, you know, I check my social media and then I yeah. go onto Facebook and it's like, all right, what, what's been ho- posted in this group? What's been posted in that? And even I guess influencers now are realizing because people were so anti-Facebook for a little bit. Influencers are like, oh, I'll invite you to my Facebook community. This is where we can actually talk and stuff. Granted, they pop up in that Facebook group like once every three months. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) But it's at least still a thing. So then moving forward with the whole timeline, the Montclair girl, when did that idea come to fruition? And for those who don't know, I'm from South Jersey, so my North Jersey <laughs> um, like location geography isn't the best, but Montclair is what, like a 20, 30-minute drive from Hoboken? Essex County, 30 minutes away, right by Newark and you know West Orange in that area. Yeah. So how did you guys decide, like, all right, let's try – let's do another website. Let's do um, – <laughs> let's do like a newsletter and like local news coverage for uh, Montclair. Montclair's always been on my radar. My husband actually is from Glen Ridge, which is the town over. I worked in Bloomfield for several years, so I know it really well. There's lots to do there. It has a similar vibe, a little bit different in that it's a maybe a little bit of a different crowd of uh, you know families more than young twenty somethings. But it's got a lot of Hoboken, Jersey City. New York City transplants or people just moving, they want to move to a town that still has a lot going on, but a little more of a suburban feel. So we always, you know, in our expansion plan, which I hope comes to fruition, uh, we always look for a town. I really wanted a town that, um, you know, had a lot of diversity, had a cultural center with like museums. They have a university. There's a lot of different people that are there. So really just a fun place with tons of restaurants and bars which kind of has, you know, a similar vibe to Hoboken in the the sense of community. So, yeah, it's it's been really awesome. 
people have been so welcoming to us and the business owners are so cool and unique. There's so many cool shops. We just love covering Montclair. It's awesome. How has it deferred from when you first started the Hoboken Girl? Like I'm assuming it was easier, but not without its challenges. For Montclair, yes. I mean, having already done Hoboken Girl for nine years, you have a plan of sorts. There's definitely challenges of people, you know, people are just like, oh, another news source. I don't know if I need this. But then they realize that we really have a different beat than a lot of news outlets that are hyper local. We're very lifestyle focused. We really rely on our social media communities to build our audience. Uh, and, you know, it's been it's been a journey. It's really been fun so far. I mean, I can't believe it's only been it's been less than two months and we're already you know, we're, we're gunning for 10,000 uh, followers on Instagram and uh, we're, we're at like almost 7,000. So we're, we're getting up there and really quickly. So it's been great. I do think there's been a, there was a need there uh, for, for an outlet like ours. For budding writers and journalists who want to like really start coverage in their towns, in their areas, what would you say makes a great pitch for, you know, whether it's pitching for Hoboken Girl or um, for a website in their town? I always love the community connection piece. I think that's what really, for me, makes an amazing article. Of course, you can write about this food is great or here's something to do, but I love those personal stories of perseverance. And even just when we're writing about a restaurant or something, when my writer pitches me a personal story about it, like we had one in Montclair, one of the first articles that our writer Brooke wrote was so awesome because it was all about how this couple who owned the guac spot, I think in Verona, they, their house had burned down. Like, I mean, this was very intense, but it was their house had burned down, you know, and the community came and rallied and supported them. And we were also not only sharing about that, but then just sharing that you can still support them because they, this just happened in January, you know? So just being able to help and, and give back, is always an underlying piece. You know, we, we also host events in, with Hoboken Girl and hopefully soon with the Montclair Girl. And we always have a piece of that, you know, our Hoboken Girl shop, we donate a dollar to a, a charity, um, you know, for anything that's purchased. And same for our events, we always donate one, you know, a dollar or percentage of the proceeds to for every ticket sold to a, a local charity. So I think for me, and a lot of places, it's such a big piece is the give back. Um, part in creating that community. For sure. Especially, I think everyone loves to hear those human pieces because it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, now I get to know a little bit more about who actually lives in XYZ town. But this this question that I have for you is pretty specific to you. Everyone has a different answer, but what do you think makes a great writer? Great question, because there's a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, you know, let's put aside the grammar, spelling, and all of that. But I always think that, and this is probably my English teacher talking in the back of my head when I'm editing, but, you know, that captivating intro, um, you know, digital media is so interesting because it coming from the magazine and digital world at Condé Nast, you see that magazines, it was all about the flowery words, the pretty language. Digital is different. Digital is you want to bring people in, but you also have to 
get your SEO correct. You have to grab people. You have to make it search worthy. So I think it's a combination now. For me, when I'm looking um, for a writer, they can do both of those things. Add that really captivating and you know intro, but then also uh, really make it break. You know, being able to uh, break it down and know that the the search terms are going to be there. Um, but telling a story, I think that's the biggest, the connection piece. When you think about social media, all the things that we read, we want to connect with, right? Like, I mean, or laugh at one or the other. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, that's really what for me makes a, a good writer. And of course, if I'm talking about being an editor, being on time, all of that good stuff, getting your pitches in and the, you know, but I won't go into the, you know, those are all the things we learn anyway. Well, so. I, was, I was actually going to like say to your response, I can tell, I can hear the editor and you like slowly creeping in, but it's very true what you're saying about the whole writing thing, because as someone who I consider myself a journalist and granted, I definitely lean more towards like the audio and the broadcast side, but it's still when I a lot more attention when I'm reading things now than I did I'll say even when I was in college where it's like wow this article was written so eloquently but then other times I'm like there's so many words in this article that are just they're quote-unquote big words that it's like your everyday person who doesn't you know read constantly would have to look up all these different phrases or use their context clues so it's finding that balance and it also depends on each publication because something like Pitchfork with music is totally different from Billboard. Right. So it's like finding that connection, but also going back to the whole editor in chief, like what is, what do you do like in a day? Like what are some of the things that you have to go? Because you're literally running all of these writers, <laughs> like marketing, everything. Yes, it is quite a... It's quite a whirlwind. I do, I will say we have, because we have two now, we've really we've really divvied up our roles. Um, I oversee everything, and I'm responsible for meeting with my team as a whole and separately. Uh, you know, for our different quote unquote departments, it's like it's four of us, so it feels <laughs> it feels small but mighty. Uh, you know, we have our social me- Taylor's our social media coordinator. She's a total rock star. You know, she handles all of our social media stuff, our takeovers. You'll probably you're going to take over the Hoboken Girl Instagram one day. You'll you'll connect with her, but we you know handling that with her. Um, you know, we we really try to make sure that everything for the week is set on like a Monday and Tuesday um, and really get, you know, our, our job is always to kind of get ahead, but then respond to like the pop culture happenings and the local happenings that are going on. So it's like, we have a plan, but it's always deviating. Um, there's really no specific uh, set day, but you know, I, like I said, I meet with my team, my social media coordinator, my editorial assistant and I are super in connects all the time. And then Devin, our marketing manager, she's, you know, always uh, reaching out to local businesses about potential sponsorships and collaborations and kind of keeping the business going on that side. So we have kind of our three or four wheels of motion and I just balance all of them. And, and then also, you know, I, I edit articles, I oversee what's going out, I assign news content. So it's a it's a lot going on and and always evolving. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like news is always happening. Yes. Never stops. <laughs> never. 
Never like you never even on the weekend sometimes it'll be like oh my gosh there's a story that comes in and like someone's got to write it yes and people think because Hoboken girl and the Montclair girl is all about fun lifestyle content that I must be dining out every night and enjoying my life and oh it must be so cool you just get to take pictures and post about it it's like I don't think I actually don't think I've been out to dinner in a year obviously with everything going on but in general, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of writing. It's a lot of emails. Uh, Slack is our biggest, you know, our best friend. If you know Slack, and we have our task management system, it's a lot, you know. And it's it's also you know all of that, and then running a business. It's the finances, working with my accountant and bookkeeper. Uh, you know, making sure we're you know getting our bills paid and, and contractors and invoices are being sent to us, you know, all of those things. So it's a, it's a lot to do, but it's all worth it. And I wouldn't give it up for anything. Do you ever have like email fatigue? Cause you know how zoom fatigue's a thing. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some days you just see your inbox and you're like, maybe tomorrow. Yes. And it's such a, it's such a struggle. I try to chunk it. I really do. I, I'll wake up in the morning I'll check my social platforms, make sure there's nothing crazy going on. I'll check my email and then I'll do some other stuff. And then midday, check again. And then afternoon, I usually end up checking at night. But, you know, three to four times a day, I really try to chunk it and like hammer out the to-do list. I'm a big leave your inbox unread until it is done because for me, my inbox is my to-do list in a way. And it really helps me kind of get through everything I need to do. But I do. I get such email fatigue. And sometimes I'm just like, can I just put up my out of office? I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, I am the boss. I guess I could. But my team would be like, hello, where is she? So, (laughs) Yeah, I was talking to a friend. I was talking to a friend. And I said to him, like, you know, I really don't think I can answer my emails today. And he goes, Tina, you never stop talking. What do you mean you can't answer them? I was like, it happens to people. There's another piece too. Decision fatigue is something that I've been reading a lot about. And that's relating to your inbox. It's like making those decisions about each email you get. Am I going to meet this person? Am I going to respond to them? What am I going to tell my team to do? You know, it's like you always have to have like a next move too sometimes with email. And that's the hard part too. It's just so much. I literally. Even me just thinking about it, it's like, oh gosh, what the heck? And I used to be the type of person who's like, I'm not going to bed until all of my emails are cleared out. Like Devin and my team is like that. She's inbox zero all the time. And I am so jealous. I love, that's my goal always, but it just, it's hard. It's really hard. If I have 20 unread at the end of the day, that's a good day. Oh, awesome. (laughs) I mean, as long as we're not in like the 200s, 500s. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. I get uh, beyond 100, I my anxiety kicks in and I'm like, all right, got to gotta delete, got to whatever we're going to do to archive these needs back. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. I totally relate. But also just to like, this is a complete switch around because, you know, we've talked about the Hoboken girls, Montclair girl, but there's also another part of you that I feel like a lot of people don't know and I didn't know as well. And it's about your congenital heart defect. So can yeah. you tell us a little bit more about that? How did you become aware that you had this? Sure. So I was born with my congenital heart defect. Um, It's called transposition of the great arteries. And uh, I had open heart surgery when I was four months old. I was 
right after I was born, they noticed I was blue and they medevaced me to New York City. Um, and, you know, had a I had to wait till I was four months old to have my major procedure. But um, yeah, it's a, it's kind of crazy because I just, uh, I just spoke with the American Heart Association. They did a feature on me and uh, it was the first time I really came to terms with the fact that, you know, and it was in my twenties that I really realized the severity of my condition. You know, my parents were such great medical parents, if you will. They, Mm -hmm made me feel normal. They never, you know, it was always positive, even when things weren't great, you know, they were always positive and everything. And I almost think that it, in my twenties, it was like a awakening that I wasn't normal. I used to say, you know, I'm totally fine. Like I had a heart condition, but I'm good now. And, you know, going into your twenties, um, you really realize, you know, a lot of things you start going to the doctor, maybe by yourself or, you know, you're, you're advocating for your own health or whatever it is. And you're living alone or living, um, on your own. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, it was then that like they, you know, my, my cardiologist said, you, you know, if you want to have kids, you need to have them by the time you're 30. And I was like 28 at the time. Um, so, you know, it was things like that, that, you know, and I didn't end up Spoiler, I didn't end up having kids by 30. So, you know, my husband and I are looking into surrogacy and, and different things. So it's, you know, it really affected so many pieces of my life that, you know, until my 20s, I didn't really realize um, how it did. But I also think I view it as a gift because um, I've been really lucky with my heart condition. I feel like I, I, my mom and dad really instilled like a healthy lifestyle and, you know, advocating for my own health and, because of that, I was really able to, uh, I was really able to take charge of my own health and, and now kind of just feel, you know, view it as a gift that I can do this and make, you know, make myself, um, feel, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it's just, you know, really view it as a gift so that I can really, um, take every moment, like not for granted at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that a lot of people, it's not something that I wish on someone, but it's something that, you know, with what you're given, you kind of um, deal with it. So it, it's been, it's been a blessing and in a, in a disguise of a lot of medical visits and hospital visits and all of that stuff. <laughs> what was it like in your, um, in your twenties when you were like bringing up this conversation to your friends? I bet they had so many questions of like, can you drink this much? Can you do this? Can you do that? How were you handling all those conversations? You know, in the beginning of my 20s, I was acting like nothing was wrong. And then by the end of my 20s, I do think that you, you know, you really find your core group of friends that after college, a little bit, you know, your, your relationships sustain for a little bit, you're maybe living in the same area or whatever, but then you start, start to like take on your own lives and the the people that really are meant to be in your life, stay in your life. And, um, those people were the people that I, you know, really opened up to about like my, my true, true core friends, um, that I really opened up to in my later twenties about it. And, you know, you kind of go through when you have a chronic medical condition, there is, I mean, it is normal to be depressed. Like I was super depressed, um, you know, for a few years in my twenties. And even now, like sometimes you just kind of, it's like this, it's a feeling that you can't really put your finger on, but it, um, you know, it just is kind of like this underlying thing, but it, but it was, um, tough to be open to my friends in the beginning. Um, I would always say like, I'm fine. I can drink whatever. And I would, and like, I would almost take back that like so much. Like, I wish I could have been more true to myself. Like if I could talk to my 
I don't say under 21 year old self, but kind of (laughs) (laughs) back to my college self, I would have been like, you don't need to drink that. You don't need to like prove yourself or whatever. Like, you know, you go through that period of transition and it definitely is a, uh, uh, it's a journey for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's also with the societal pressures, like you were saying, being in your early 20s where it's like, it's always go, go, go. You're doing the most. But at times you have to realize like, okay, maybe I should slow down. So for you, when was that? Was it uh, when you were 28? Because I know you were saying about how your doctor dropped a bomb on you. Like you need to have yeah. kids by your by the time that you're 30. Yeah. Yeah. It was around then. It was, you know, I had just gotten married and I was in my 20s, I was, I'm always go, go, go. I'm still go, go, go. But I think that, you know, I really started to focus on my self-care in my later 20s. And I think it's a transition a lot of us go through because we are just hanging out with our friends. We're in high school, we're in college, we're just doing whatever is presented to us. And then you realize the word no is like the most freeing word in the world. And it's, it's, awesome. I hate to say it. I used to come from a total place of yes. And then I, and I think that, you know, as you get older, you just say, you know, that is an awesome opportunity, but just not right now or no, thank you or whatever it is. And it, it really helped me figure out and focus on what I wanted to do. And sometimes focusing was me watching Bravo on the couch and not being interrupted or going to a party or a dinner because Hoboken Girl was invited or something like that and sending a contributor who actually wants to go. You know, I'm very, I always throw all my contributors, like all the invites. I really never go myself unless I'm like, oh, I really want to go to that because I think it's, there's so many people that um, we have as part of our team and our writers that, you know, can enjoy that stuff. And so I'm happy to share that with them. And then, you know, for me, it was really just the self-care piece. And sometimes for me, that's just sitting on the couch and watching TV. You mentioned Bravo. So I've got to ask, what's your favorite Bravo show? Gosh, I love, I'm like a sick Bravo watcher. I watch everything like from like below deck to Shaw's to uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta to Beverly Hill, everything, everything. I'm starting (laughs) to get into Real Housewives and The way it's changing my life for the better. Like, I honestly, it, it made my pandemic year, which was very stressful, having a congenital heart defect being high risk, being able to be home and just watch hours of Bravo really took my mind off a lot of the craziness in the world. So I love it. Like it, Bravo is my, I die for Andy Cohen. I love all of it. So is yeah. Summer House on Bravo or am I confusing it? Summer House is, yes. Yep. And I watch Southern Charm. I watch Summer House. I mean, I ask me what I watch, I watch it. <laughs> I, I haven't been a really big Bravo person until like this past year because my mom, she was always watching Real Housewives. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? Let me just sit down and watch with her. And sometimes yep. she's like, I really wish I wasn't watching with you right now. But <laughs> there's some weird yeah with your parents yeah with parents sometimes it's a little iffy um but I guess the last question that I have is really like for anyone in their 20s who wants to be a journalist or for someone who even has a chronic illness what is some what's a piece of advice that you would give to them well I think that in whatever you do and this kind of goes from editorial to to anything with chronic illness consistency is key Uh, I think that if you have a dream 
And that could be anything from work to play to where you want to travel to, you know, figuring out how you're going to get there and just working towards that goal is so, so important. Um, and just what will kind of keep you going and keep you moving. Um, and, and I will say, I haven't woken up one day and not thought about like either Hoboken girl or my heart condition, but at the same time, you know, keeping it consistent with being healthy and taking my vitamins and working out and doing those things that make me feel good for my heart condition. And same thing for Hoboken girl, being consistent in posting every day. Um, you know, if you're looking to make a career move, do one thing every day consistently to make that move. It's just consistency is what gets you to that next step. Um, you don't have to do it all at once. And that, you know, I think sometimes when we have big dreams, we just want to jump in full throttle and you, it's okay to be slow to take those steps as long as you do just like a little bit every day. Beautifully said. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on. I want to give you the virtual floor to plug your socials where people can find the Hoboken girl, the Montclair girl, all that great stuff. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Uh, so I, you can find me personally on Instagram at the Jennifer trip, T R I P. And of course, Hoboken girl, Montclair girl, uh, the Hoboken girl.com, the Montclair girl.com and at the Montclair girl at the Hoboken girl on all social platforms, including TikTok. We're on there and, uh, lots of, lots of good stuff we share. So much fun North Jersey content, where to, where to go, what to eat, uh, who to visit in a store, you know, anything and everything, um, is, is there. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. And also guys, their TikTok. I've found a few places and stuff through the TikTok. So it's <laughs> 10 out of 10. Thank <laughs> you. We try. I, I, I say this as a 34 year old elder millennial trying to be cool. We try with our TikTok. No, but my, my, my Gen Zers know what's up. So they, they get it done for us. <laughs> happy that you're like the Gen Zers, but like I'm a millennial, but I'm still on because right now there's, I don't know if you've seen it, but the TikTok divide between generations. There's beef. Yes. It's like, <laughs> I was looking and I told my, I told my roommate, I was like, what is this? Like, why are we fighting? Like we're supposed to be in this together. I like, oh, you were, I actually, I was like, I'm going to try my hair part in the middle. Like, I don't know. It looks, it looks okay. Right. Oh, like, it looks I, good. I was like, it looks oh. good. <laughs> funny there's so much shade like being thrown on both like I swear it was a light switch and they're like up today's the day (laughs) we're we're like both so everyone's so angry at each other like generationally I'm like we gotta be we gotta unite and be against the boomers come on guys like that's what I thought the consensus was but I guess there was like someone just didn't get an email (laughs) the email fatigue we'll blame it on that exactly thank you again so much for coming on and guys thank you so so much for tuning in to another episode of in your 20s if you like the show leave a review tell your friends about it follow wherever you listen to podcasts as always my name is tina with an h and i'll catch you next wednesday